Thanks for listening to the Community Bible Church Sermon Podcast. Pastor Dan Strutz here. Our desire is to connect people with Christ and community. For more info or to contact us, please visit cbcmountainlake.com. Well, good morning. Hey, uh, Bob mentioned the deer going through his yard, and that's spring. I see college basketball on TV, and so I think it's spring. So whatever your pick is, it's almost springtime, right? Good morning and uh, welcome. Uh, you're going to see uh, in a moment the slide is going to pop up that is going to look springish. It's going to look with uh, a bunch of colors there, and uh, it's because we're starting to think about Easter. I, I want to remind us this time of year, uh, we'll take this three weeks to kind of um, start to look at Easter, start to look at uh, the, the message of of Jesus and what he came to do. And, and I, as I say every year, this time, a couple weeks out before Easter, I, I like to give some messages leading up to Easter Sunday because uh, we, we know that unlike Christmas, Easter kind of springs up on us. Maybe pun intended there. Uh, it comes up all of, all of a sudden and we don't realize it, unlike Christmas, which we celebrate with all the decorations and all the colors and the lights and everything. Easter creeps up on us, and it comes, and yet we got to remember that it's just as important, if not more. It's equal to Christmas in its value to our story as the church. Not only did Jesus come at Christmas time, he went to the cross, died, and was buried in uh, the greatest victory that we have ever known. So this morning I want to start making us think about the cross. I want to make us start thinking about the story of the gospel message that we find. And we're going to do that by looking at Luke's gospel. I want to take this week and the next two weeks to look a little bit at Luke and what he has to say about the cross, about the gospel message. So I want to take, make two kind of points of memo before we pray. Uh, one is, is that um, as we're going through Luke, I wanted to... Um, add into our weekly readings, and if you open the bulletin, you'll see the weekly readings are, are all from Luke, and it's all the chapters of Luke, and next week it'll be the same. I, I wanted to encourage, for some of you, I know you read those, uh, some you don't, which is okay, but I wanted to encourage you that if, as you're thinking about the cross, as we're thinking about Luke, maybe take this next couple weeks and spend time going through the Gospel of Luke. Look at where he's going, look at where he ends up. At Luke's book, chapter, his his gospel is 24 chapters, and so it's easy for us to break those up, two chapters a day, and make it through. And I think that that would be something cool if many of us were reading the Gospel of Luke uh, before we hit, hit Easter Sunday. So I'd encourage you to do that. Also, I'd encourage, if there's someone you know in your world uh, that maybe would come with you on Easter Sunday, someone that uh, you could welcome in, say, hey, come for the brunch before the service, come for the service, be part of it, I'd encourage you to invite them uh, starting uh, starting now, starting to think about uh, them and if they would come with you. So those are two memos, and uh, with that, uh, let me pray and, and just spend time going before God, going before Jesus, and entering into uh, his throne room as we ask him to give us wisdom this morning. So let's pray. Father God, we thank you this morning. We thank you that, um, that God, you loved us so much. You loved us as lost people, separated from you. And you sent your son for us. 
not just to be born, not just, just to teach, not just to help in miracles, but ultimately to seek and save us. Father, we thank you that you sent your son, and as we start to think in the next couple weeks, as we start to prep our minds for the celebration, the great day, Easter Sunday, may we continue to humble our hearts and just be warm to what you want to communicate to us, starting this morning. Father, we come in here with weeks uh, gone by and weeks ahead that we know we need your gospel message for. We need the message of you, Jesus, in our lives. And we ask that here, as we listen to Luke, that we can hear and think on you. Spirit, allow my words to be your words. And what is not of you, may it blow away me. May we be seeking you this morning, and may you speak to us here in this place. In Jesus, in your great name, by your work that we Well, movie writers, movie directors, they get the idea of building up a good story. They get the idea of building up over the the course of a couple hours and generating up this big story that's ultimately going to culminate in this big conflict and resolution in the end, especially in the terms of, of what we see today in the superhero films. Any superhero movie fans out there? Okay, got a couple in the back row there. The stories, I mean, it's, it's, they're all over. That's, that's the big thing in Hollywood now is these superhero stories where we get these superhero and we de- hear and develop their story and little conflicts come along the way and they ultimately find themselves at the end in a massive uh, conflict that ultimately we hope and we believe, even though we're on the edge of our seats for the whole time, ultimately the superhero wins, right? This morning, I want us to be thinking about the Gospel of Luke as Luke's way of sharing a story about the greatest superhero who ever lived, Jesus. The story of the cross, the story of his going and dying and rising again, and that story starts all the way back in Luke 1. So we're going to open up to that, open up to your Bibles to Luke 1. And as we're thinking about it, I, I think we could draw some notes from a particular superhero. I don't know who your favorite is, but one of mine, maybe, if I had to choose one. I, I like Batman. Uh, Superman's also good. But Batman is, is, is one of those guys that he just, he's a normal guy. He's a normal guy, but yet when he puts on his bat suit, he goes out and he does things that are larger than life. But some things that we know about Batman also is that this guy, uh, Bruce Wayne, as he sits there in his normal street clothes, what's he always looking to? He's always looking to the sky. He's looking out for the bat signal, right? He's looking out for that light that tells him something's going on. There, there's, a, there's someone in distress. There's something that happened that needs to be uh, helped out, that needs to be, that I need to step in, put on uh, my uniform, and go out and complete my mission. I need to go rescue someone. I need to go and help in something that's going on. So Batman looks to the sky, and he knows, uh, goes there, and and he's going to go and serve and rescue whoever's in distress. Likewise, the flip side is there's always this question in the people in all the Batman movies is, who is Batman? Who is this guy that puts on this suit? 
they're always wondering. And this morning, I, I want us to say that there are people throughout Luke's time when he's writing this book that are asking the question, who is the Messiah and who is Jesus? And, and do they compute? Can we know for certain that that is who we have been told about? And he starts that in Luke 1. Look with me at Luke 1, verses 1 through 4. Luke, he, he writes this book, and, and we know the stories uh, of, of Jesus' birth and his whole life, but sometimes we forget about the fact that Luke is writing this and giving us little narrative clues about how he's shaping and directing his story as he's being encouraged by the divine author God. Luke there in Luke 1, he says this, "...in as many as have undertaken to compile a narrative..." of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us, it seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught." This is really just an intro, but it's important for us to think that what Luke is doing here is he's suggesting he's writing to someone, a particular person named Theophilus, who, who we, his name means lover of God or, or servant of God or, or something of that nature. Uh, Luke is trying to write to this guy and say, there's been all sorts of stories that have been given about the things that have happened before, the things that happened with Jesus. And I want to give you, Theophilus, an accurate picture, because there's many stories out there. There's many gospels, many have tried to take, undertook this, this job of writing these things down. But I want you to know for certain who the superhero is, who Jesus is, and what his mission was, which was ultimately a rescue mission. By the time Luke is writing this, it's, it's maybe another generation uh, removed from the events of Jesus. And so they're wondering, who is Jesus? Who is the Messiah? And he's pointing them back, pointing them back, pointing them back, saying, I want you to see that these, this is an accurate picture. This is an accurate picture. So Luke's aim in writing this is to know for certain who this superhero is and why he really came. Now, we get the stories of Jesus' birth early on, and one of the words that comes up there, if you were to page through, and if you read it this week, is the word salvation. He's come to save. He's come to be our salvation. And these people, his mother and others around him, rejoice in that message. And we get this story that then he begins his ministry. He begins preaching and teaching in Galilee. And we go until chapter 9. Fast forward and look ahead in your Bibles to chapter 9. Verses 51. In chapter 9, verse 51, we get this first clue as to what Jesus' mission was really about, or where his mission was going. The, the ultimate, the conflict starting to come up, this conflict that's starting to arise as Luke gives this little comment that we can maybe not notice at first, but it becomes kind of a big thing. Early on, Mark, or Luke 9, when, when Luke starts to uh, diverge from other Gospels and gives us new material that's not like the Gospel of Matthew, not like the Gospel of Mark, he gives us this word in 9.51. He says, When the day draw near for him to be taken up, that's Jesus, he set his face 
to go to Jerusalem. He set his face to the sky and looks to Jerusalem. Kind of like that bad signal. Kind of like looking at the signal and saying, well, I, I'm doing these things, I, I'm, I'm living life, and I'm serving and going forward. But his eye is on Jerusalem. His eye is forward. And what we think, what's really interesting here is Luke 9 is still very early in this gospel. It's 24 chapters. And yet in 9, he's already starting to look towards Jerusalem. Uh, again, Luke in chapter 13, he gives us this in verse 22. He says, he, Jesus, went on his way through towns and villages, teaching and journeying towards Jerusalem. Again, he points out, Jesus is going to Jerusalem. His way is to Jerusalem. Again, in chapter 17, on his way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. Jesus is teaching, he's instructing, he's discipling, he's doing all these things, but his eye as the hero of the story, is always on the mission, the rescue mission in Jerusalem. Chapter 18, verses 31. Jesus says these things. He says, And taking the twelve, he said to them, See, we are going up to Jerusalem, and everything that is written about the Son of Man by prophets will be accomplished, for he will be delivered over to the Gentiles and will be mocked, and shamefully treated and spit upon. And after flogging him, they will kill him. And on the third day, he will rise again. But they, they understood none of these things. The saying was hidden from them, and they did not grasp what he said. So from chapter 9 to chapter 18, almost 10 chapters of writing, uh, Luke continues to write about Jesus' teaching. He starts to write about uh, all these things that Jesus did, all those stories we're familiar with. But yet, at the same time, we get these little glimpses, like a good movie uh, director who, who puts in these little things. But Jesus is going to Jerusalem. Jesus is going to Jerusalem. Jesus is going to Jerusalem. That's where he's going. That's the mission. And so, while we are getting this story, while we're, while we're opening up Luke, and as you read through it this week, what Jesus is going towards is, is he's going towards his final mission while he's teaching, while he's teaching his disciples, while he's doing miracles. And it's important for me to pause and just note and remind us again that as we hear the miracles in Luke's gospel, or any of the gospels for that matter, we need to remember where Jesus is going, that ultimately the cross was the main goal. For some of us, we need to pause and think about it for a moment, that what we read through the stories of Jesus, we hear the miracles, and we say, man, I wish Jesus would do a miracle in my life. Or, or we hear the good teaching, and, and Jesus says, live this way, or do this, or the kingdom is like this, and we say, okay, i got to live that way. Or i got to follow as a disciple, as he's training disciples. But if we miss the fact that in the midst of all those teaching, ultimately the goal is the cross, we undercut the main story. If we get caught up in just what we see immediately and don't think about the cross, don't think about the resurrection, don't think about the power that comes through Jesus' ultimate rescue mission, we miss out on what Jesus was really about. So what wasn't Jesus' mission? In the middle of these ten chapters, we get this one chapter in between, chapter 15, and that's where I really want to spend a little bit of time this morning going through chapter 15 of Luke. 
Many of the stories that are in there are going to be familiar to you. Three stories, three parables that Jesus teaches all back to back to back. Luke 15 ultimately starts to talk about what Jesus has come to do, what he is going to do, and that is his rescue mission, to seek that which is lost. So look with me if you have your Bibles open to 15, and I want to read this chapter for us. Luke 15, again, right in the middle of this, Jesus is going to Jerusalem, Jesus is going to Jerusalem. Jesus gives us some of his most famous teachings. 15, verse 1, says this. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost? Until he finds it. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents, over ninety-nine righteous persons who need no repentance. Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And he said, There was a man who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of my property that is coming to me. And he delivered his property, divided his property between them. Not many days later, the young son gathered all he had and took a journey into the far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in the country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of the country who sent him into the fields to feed pigs, and he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How may my father's tired servants have more than enough bread? But I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while still long way, a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Father said to his servant, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him, and, and put a ring on his hand and the shoes on his feet, and bring the fatted calf and kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. For my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and found, and there they began to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field, and he, he came and drew near to the house, and he heard music and dancing, and he called to one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, the servant did, Your brother has come, and your father has killed the fatted calf because he has received him back safe and sound. 
but he, the brother, was angry and refused to go in. His father came and entreated him, but he answered to his father, Look, these many years I have served you, and I have never disobeyed your commandments, yet you never gave me a young goat that I may celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you have killed the fatted calf for him. And, and he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad, for this brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. Three stories that Jesus uses to illustrate why he's come. Those stories that kind of compound on themselves and kind of build and build and build in the middle of Jesus' mission. What is his mission all about? It's a rescue mission. And we see that when we look at a couple points. First, the hero came, comes to rescue what is lost. Or in my notes, he comes to rescue what is extremely lost. Think of these stories. Jesus has three stories. A shepherd, a woman, and a father. And they've all lost something. The shepherd in particular, he, he sees a sheep that has wandered off. He's got a hundred sheep and one of them wanders off. It goes away. It's gone its own path. It's tried to go and find green pastures on its own. When this good shepherd, we imagine, has led it to really good green pastures, and it doesn't need to go anywhere. And yet the sheep goes and wanders off. And as I read this story, and I read what commentators mentioned about sheep, they, don't, they wander off, and they don't wander back. It's not like a dog or a cat that knows where its home is that eventually comes back. Once the sheep is lost, it's dumb, and it doesn't come back unless the shepherd goes and finds it. It wanders off and it won't come back. It won't come back on its own. It's extremely and completely lost. The lost coin, it's there. It gets dropped by this woman somewhere in the house. It's lost and, and it's not, it's a coin. It's not something that can scream out and say, here I am, here I am, find me, find me. It needs the woman to diligently sweep and find what it's lost, otherwise it is gone. And the son, he runs off, the prodigal son, he runs off and, and, and goes away, and, and, and he's seen as lost and dead by the father. He's dishonored his family, he's gone on and squandered this wealth, he's brought shame on his own family and, and his father especially. And not only that, in terms of this being a, a Jewish context, he's gone and now he's working and hanging out with pigs, something that Jews were supposed to stay completely away from. So this son in this story is completely lost, not only with his earthly family, but he's, he's dismissed himself, he's defiled himself from his heavenly father as well. These things are extremely lost. They're long gone. We can't imagine them drawing near on their own unless the hero comes to rescue them. The same is for the people in this story. The, the people that are hearing this story, as we note in, in verses 1 and 2, are, are tax collectors, sinners, and Pharisees. They've all gathered around, and Jesus is trying to enlighten them to say, You guys are lost. You guys are far off. I've come to rescue you. 
He's receiving them, the sinners. He's receiving the tax collectors. And he's hoping that they will come and understand them being lost and their need for a hero. The same is the same for us. As we prepare to celebrate Easter in two weeks, I think it's important for us to be reminded again and again that on our own, we're like sheep who wander after our own ways. We're like a coin that that can't find its way back, and we are lost. We are like the son who has gone off and, and, and just dishonored ourselves and shamed our Heavenly Father. We are lost in our sin and our brokenness. That's the way it's always been. That's the way that all people are. And we have to admit that and look to that as we celebrate and look towards the cross. But the superhero of this story, he, he values what is lost. He, he values those things that are lost. He finds great worth in them. He wants to not leave them on their own. He wants to go after them. In each story, we have this shepherd who, who leaves 99 sheep on their own to go find one. He says, that sheep has great value to me. I want to go find it. I don't want to leave it on its own. I can't just give up on it. The same way is this woman with this coin. Uh, This is probably her her dowry. The only thing she brings into her marriage that actually belongs to her. The only thing that if, uh, if the marriage went apart or fell apart, that was what she actually owned herself. It was hers. And so one coin had great value. If she was to be a widow, this would be the thing that she would hold on to. This would be the thing that would help. The same way the son, he walks off. The father has two sons, and yet he he says, my son, the one I love, has great value to me. And he's watching and waiting to see and hope that that son comes back. What's interesting about this, when we we don't, as we're not really diving into this, but we're kind of taking a, a really high view of these things, what's interesting about these stories is when you compound them in Luke's gospel, when you put them back to back and back and not separate them out, the value of the object becomes greater and greater and greater. The sheep is 1%. The coin is 10%. The sun is 50%. The person person in these parables that, that goes after him, he's going after something that is increasingly more and more and more valuable to him. And so as Jesus is seeking his church, his bride, those who will believe in him, this is something of exponentially more value. As we think about the cross, as we think about Easter coming up in a couple of weeks, as we're, we're pondering that and as we look to celebrate, let us be reminded of how much value Jesus saw in us, that he was willing to come for us, that he was coming to rescue us. That this wasn't just some random favor that he was doing for us, but it was something that he deeply went for. He came for because he loves and adores his church those who believe. Fourth, what's important to see, or third, excuse me, is that the hero won't stop until the lost is rescued. That in the story, the hero doesn't stop. He, he pulls out at all stops and continues to go and rescue. He continues to be the hero until he is found 
what he values, what is completely and totally wrong. It says the shepherd, he goes after the sheep until he finds it. He searches, he searches, he searches for this sheep. And what's more is when he finds it, he doesn't leave it and say, okay, sheep, follow me back, because he knows the sheep won't follow him back. He actually picks it up and bears the burden, puts it on his shoulders. And as he's bearing that burden, he's celebrating. And what we need to be reminded, I think that this is an interesting thing that I caught was, in my mind when I picture that scene, I see a little tiny lamb that's nice and light and fluffy. But it just says it's a sheep. There's a burden. He's carrying a sheep that probably has some weight to it. To bring it back, he loads himself up and bears it to bring it back to the flock. This isn't an easy task. He won't stop until that sheep is with the other 99 that is brought back into the fold. The woman, she says, is sweeping. She lights a lamp and she's searching and searching and she pulls out a broom and sweeps and sweeps and sweeps so maybe she hears just the littlest jingle of a coin so she knows just what it is. She sweeps and puts energy into it and goes and goes until she finds and hears that lost coin so she can find it again. She won't stop until she finds it. The father who has the prodigal son, he is maybe forgotten that what he is doing while the son is off doing all these things, the story has it that the son turns and starts to come back, but we're reminded again, and maybe you've heard this before, but what's important to remember is the father is watching. It's as if he's sitting on his porch watching, looking out, because it says that while the son was still far off, the father sees him and runs to him. The father hasn't given up complete hope. He's watching for what he's lost. He's focused and hoping and hoping and watching. He won't stop until he, the lost son comes home again. And in that, the burden that he bears is that he takes, he gets rid of his pride, lays down his pride, the shame that the son has cast upon him. He, he puts it aside and he runs he doesn't wait for the son to come back. He, he runs to him and welcomes him with great grace. The hero comes to rescue what's lost. The hero values greatly what's lost. And, and this story which we find in the middle of Jesus' journey to Jerusalem, the big overarching story of this is, is that the hero won't stop until the lost is rescued. And for Jesus, what that means is he's always got his eye on Jerusalem. And what's going to happen there? His death, his resurrection, what he'll find in Jerusalem. The hero won't stop. And for Jesus, he, to, to just heal some people of their sicknesses, to teach them good things and kingdom principles, to, to raise up disciples to follow him after him, it would, have been, it would have been stopping short of the ultimate rescue, which was going and laying his life down for what was lost, to bring them back his death and his resurrection. He's going to go the distance. He's going to lay down just like the people in the parables, the heroes of these stories. Fourth, we need to recognize in all these stories the great joy that comes. 
the joy that comes when the lost is rescued. Again and again throughout these stories, we can think about the lost and we can think about them coming back, but we often forget about the celebration, the the joy that comes, the rejoicing of the one who finds what they love, the one that that, that he says, I have found it. Rejoice with me. Celebrate with me. There's a celebration that comes when what's lost is found. For the rescuer, joy. I found what I find dear. But also for those around. Also for those around him. In each story, he gathers and celebrates and welcomes others in and say, joy, have joy with me. Rejoice with me in the fact that what was lost, what I consider gone, I went and found. I brought back. I've redeemed. I've rescued. And so there's a celebration in the joy that comes with that thing being found, but also that there's a joy in the fact that the rescuer has gone and found it. There's a celebration in saying what he has done to bring back that item. As we think about Easter, as we prep our hearts and we remind ourselves of what's done, we rejoice in what we will celebrate. We rejoice in the fact that God has done something on the cross to bring back lost to Him and to this great joy that we celebrate. And we'll celebrate together. Now in this story, I think that oftentimes what gets equated to is that there's joy when someone first repents and turns back to Jesus. In the story in particular with the Son, I think that what it takes is ultimately this repentant heart, this this acknowledgement of what the Rescuer has done. Like the sheep who is lost, the shepherd goes and finds. The coin that was lost, the woman sweeps to find. The Son, he goes, and the Father goes and joins him. And what happens in that is the Son acknowledges, he says this, Father, I have sinned against you against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. What, what is happening there is this son is acknowledging that he doesn't deserve what the rescuer has done. He's not worthy of the love, the grace, the mercy that's poured out upon him. He's not worthy of the joy, the celebration that will come. And yet the Father welcomes him in. The joy comes... Jesus says, when those who are lost repent and turn to Him, acknowledge their need for Savior, acknowledge their need for a rescuer. Jesus continued on His journey to Jerusalem. In chapter 19, we get a story of Zacchaeus. Jesus was giving those parables to tax collectors and sinners, and just before he enters into Jerusalem, he has this story of Jesus and Zacchaeus. It says he entered Jericho. This is the last spot before he enters into Jerusalem, the last place before he goes to the cross in Jerusalem. He entered Jericho and was passing through, and behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was chief tax collector and was rich. Meaning, 
He was about as far off and lost as you could imagine. He was seeking to see who Jesus was. He wanted to know who this guy was, Jesus. But on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. So he ran ahead and climbed into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. That's the tax collectors and other people, that is. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone to anything of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek save the lost. Jesus speaks it out clearly. I came to seek and save the lost. When Zacchaeus is saying, uh, when it says of him that he's a son of Abraham, I don't just think that his genealogy comes from that. What he's saying in that is he has faith, like Abraham, that God would send one to rescue them, and here he is, Jesus, who's about to lay his life down on the cross. As Luke is writing this, he comes to this story and he's moving towards the cross to say, this is what the rescuer has done. And before we have the conflict play out at Calvary, Jesus wants you to know that the point in what he has done is to rescue. For some, that means turning their faith to Jesus. In our lostness, in our brokenness, in our pain, in our shame, in life that we live, what some of us need to be reminded of is is not that we try to find our way on our own, that we can't be rescued in our brokenness on our own, but some of you need to remind yourselves that in my hurt, in my pain, whether it's for the first time in coming to faith in Jesus, or whether it's in whatever you face tomorrow, doctor, in your family, at your job, that as you feel lost, broken, burdened, what Jesus wants is for us to recognize that we turn to him and walk back to him and say, because of what you've done on the cross, because you've rescued me through your death and your resurrection, Jesus, I I trust that you've rescued me. And I turn my pain, I put my hope in my lostness, in the fact that you love me and you bring me back. So for some of us this morning, the, the reminder as we turn towards, towards Easter, as we remind ourselves this morning of the story of the gospel, as we start to look at Jesus who ultimately will be rejected as we'll look at next week and then risen from the dead, He's conquered the grave in two weeks. What we need to remind ourselves is, is who is my hero? Who is my rescuer? Who is the person that as we go out from tomorrow, we turn our mind to him and say, this is the power that saves me. It's Jesus who went to the cross. He had his eye always on Jerusalem where he would lay down his life for me. Not just so I could be saved into heaven, so that I can be saved from what I'm facing tomorrow.
that as I turn to him, there will be great joy. And I think that what is interesting as I thought about that is sometimes we think about that in terms of when someone comes and is saved for the first time, there's rejoicing. And I don't have total biblical basis for this, but I think that even when tomorrow we go out, or today as we sit here and we say, Jesus, I turn back to you because I haven't been following you. I haven't been trusting you as my hero in this area. I think that even for those of us who have been Christians for a long time, there's celebration as we turn and worship Jesus and who see him as our hero. So with that, as we close and we go to pray, and I know that in a little bit we're going to say, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. That, that because he lives, that, that we can enter into our, our pain because we've been found, we've been brought back as we worship him, as we go and pray those things, do some business in your heart and say, Jesus, where do I need to see you as my hero? What do I need to believe again that you love me so much that you came and served me, died for me, and that you find joy in me, your child? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you this morning that you love us greatly, that you came for us, that as Luke is speaking to Theophilus, uh, uh, someone who wants to know for certain, that wants to know exactly who this Jesus of Nazareth is, Lord, that as we look to the gospel message of Luke, we can see that what Jesus came for was to rescue us, to save us, to bring us back into the relationship that we long for, a relationship with you. That in our hurt, in our pain, in our our lostness, we see that through the cross and through what you did there, you bring us back and we remind ourselves again of what you've done. Not just so we can be with you for eternity, but so that we can experience life in you today. Father, may we have joy in celebrating that. May we have joy in celebrating your work, and as we sing this song, we trust again in the gospel message that you seek and save the lost. That's your mission, and until you come again, that is what you are doing. We praise you, Jesus, this morning. Hope.